Welcome back to the Project 24 YouTube podcast. This is episode 35. Whoa, hello, hello. Y'all ready for this? This is going to be fun, everybody. I know I say that every <laughs> single podcast episode. That should become a joke. I, every episode, Ricky, I, I get on here and I say, I'm excited. I'm excited <laughs> to talk about this because... I am. Yeah. <laughs> so, are you all ready for this? I, uh, we I actually have a special guest that will soon be becoming more of a central part of the podcast, I anticipate at least, uh, if she's willing to. Uh, we have a, our newest team member here at Income School. Uh, this is Julia. So, Julia was has been part of Project 20 for a, for a while. She's been working on her own YouTube channel, um, been doing some great stuff there. And what really stood out to me uh, personally here was... How so? I don't know. You, you all listening to this, you're going to get to know Julia a lot better. But some of her earlier videos on her channel, she was talking about how she was getting a four year degree in one year, and that was like a lot of the topics she was covering. And so she really knows her stuff. Like she's really good at data and organizing stuff. So I'm just really excited. Uh, Julia is going to be coming on as kind of a channel manager. So she's going to be doing a lot of the behind the scenes and and probably in the near future appearing on camera, et cetera, um, for our YouTube channels. So super yeah. excited for that. Welcome, Julia. Hello. <laughs> good to be here. <laughs> We're glad you're here. So with that introduction, so do you want do you want to add anything to that? No, today? you covered it great. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, we're good. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. I will also add that she just barely, like literally rolled into town like today. <laughs> and so I said, first thing, hey, you want to be on a podcast? And she was like, yes. So, so I'm glad you're here. Hit the ground running. Yes. Hit the ground running. Okay. So we have some threats from the Project 24 community, from you listening to this, um, that I wanted to talk about, have a, some good discussions here. First one is from the uh, Project 24 member, Amy Johns Johnson Crow. Uh, and the thread is called, is my email list killing my video's performance? I thought this was interesting because in it, uh, Amy outlines, she, she says, I, I have a theory on something. So they have a healthy, she has a healthy uh, email list around 17,000 people with a strong open rate and click through. So we've got this data going on. And what she started to see is if she would send her newsletter too soon after publishing a video, that effect, a video would effectively die. Now that can be very concerning right off. Um, and then she also says, I can pinpoint when browse traffic stops. It's usually within an hour or so after the newsletter goes out. So to, to highlight it, she shared an example of a recent video that started off as a clunker, 10 out of 10, just bad. And then tweak some things. And after about 36 hours, it started to pick up like what a video normally does. Mm -hmm. And then she sent it out to the newsletter. So to the newsletter. And, and effectively, the description is, here's a newsletter. Here's a few little updates. And the call to action for the, for the newsletter is watch this video on, on almost every one of these videos. And about two hours after the newsletter went out, sure enough, and she shared a graph you see the graph of impressions. It's impressions by traffic source. It goes up and then flat, just almost completely, boom, flat. Uh, and so it would seem that in this case, so the hypothesis is that sharing your YouTube videos, if you have an email list, um, can be dangerous, right? And, and I realize this could be applicable to if you have a blog or, or a lot of different areas, right? Um, for this reason, because it might cause your traffic to tank, right? Following thus far? We're, yep. we're good thus far? Yeah. Okay. So the question is, have uh, have we ever seen anything quite like this? And I, I, is she off in thinking that her email list really is 
just watching this one video and then, and then leaving YouTube? Like, what do we think is going on here? Um, so a few things, several things here. One is, uh, I will repeat what I've often said before, but I'm gonna, it's worth mentioning here again, is one of the first questions a lot of people have, especially when they're starting off on YouTube, is should I promote my videos outside of YouTube? Like, how much should I be sharing my videos outside of YouTube? If I have a Facebook, should I be sharing them on there? You know, mm-hmm. if I have an Instagram or an email list would count under this also. Um, should I be sharing them, right? And typically, I say, No. (laughs) The exception is the yes, because in many cases, you don't want to confuse the algorithm. And if you have a large influx of outside traffic that's not signed into YouTube, they're not showing normal YouTube viewing behavior, they're not uh, something that YouTube can categorize as part of a normal YouTube viewer, they just appear out of nowhere externally, Um, it's harder for the algorithm to pinpoint where that traffic's coming from. And so it's, it's not... In many cases, it's not that it's necessarily bad. It's that it's just not as superior, which is why I usually say no. Like, don't promote it outside because it's much better to have the algorithm doing it for you rather than you doing it. Um, The exception is if you have a very targeted audience and they already like YouTube and they show behavior of watching your videos and more of your videos. That would be a probably best case scenario. Right. Right. Okay. So follow. I feel like I'm talking a lot here. Feel free to interject if you have anything here. Um, So the follow up here, there was some conversation here in the thread, and um, Amy did a a little update saying, "Okay, so I think that most of my audience is above 65 in the age group," and then she kind of broke it down into three groups. If if she she thinks it's this. So one would be a few readers of the newsletter who are also into YouTube, so they're more likely to watch more than one video. Okay, but the keyword there is a few. Uh, The second is a larger group that watches just the one video and then parentheses because they aren't that into quote unquote uh, YouTube. And then a group that gets confused. Even when I say click here to watch the video, they think they're going to a blog post, et cetera. So when they click it, they hit YouTube and then they immediately bounce. Um, And then she also said, this would be the group that tells me they read my podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So with that kind of ratio going on, I'm already seeing some red flags, some, some warning signs here. Um, so my, my main concern is based off of what I was saying earlier, if the behavior is click on it, go to YouTube, watch the video and not do anything else on YouTube, you've effectively created a separate audience segment from an algorithm standpoint and a separate audience segment that the algorithm can't really pinpoint who likes it. Um, so to this point of, uh, would that affect other impressions, et cetera? I've got to think they wouldn't let it, in most cases, they wouldn't let it totally kill the traffic or the impressions, although this graph makes it seem like that. The reason why I would think that might be the case is if you've created a large enough audience segment that have proven that they are not good YouTube uh, yeah. citizens. <laughs> Like they just watch the one video and then they're gone. Like that would be concerning from the algorithm uh, to the algorithm. I would think if you show a large segment of the impressions of this video, um, don't watch other YouTube. Why would YouTube promote it? Right. right. It's your you're doing your own promotion. They're not going to promote <laughs> it. Yeah. I so when we talk about the algorithm, you know, we often are talking about how YouTube does look at your uh, the audience for your videos not as one audience, right? Mm-hmm. There's all those different umbrellas, all those different groups of people. 
And so what you have here is, um, I mean, these people, yes, they may just be coming to YouTube, watching one video and leaving, but even worse than that, they're doing this without being logged in at all. Mm-hmm. Like there's not any history, any viewing behavior for YouTube to look at. And so this is effectively an umbrella of unknown. Mm-hmm. Like we have no idea what their interests are. And so now YouTube's like, who do I promote this to? Mm-hmm. Um, and if the number of views you get, so that would be something to look at. So like, you know, this video has maybe been out there for 36 hours. You get, if you, if in that 36 hours you get a thousand views and then in the next two hours you get another thousand views, like that's a sudden spike in views um, without like impressions changing, right? YouTube didn't show this to anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, this is all just like external direct traffic. Like you've just doubled your view count. And so the first thousand were spread out across multiple umbrellas. And then the next thousand are just like, boom, unknown. Um, and you think about what does YouTube know about this next thousand? <laughs> they know they're external yep. and they know that they only watch one video. Right. So we've got two yeah. big issues from the algorithm standpoint. And does that look like you're trying to game YouTube? Are you trying Could to get be. a bunch of views to maybe try to boost it? And the algorithm just is like, whoa, nope, we're not going to let that. We're not going to game this. Or it could just be like algorithms now confused. I don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what I don't know, and I'm curious if maybe if uh, you know anything about this, Nate, but, you know, one of the proposed solutions here, right, would be embed the video in a blog post, send your newsletter traffic to the blog post, they can watch it embedded there. But a view embedded on your blog post is still, if again, if they're not logged into Google, it's still just an unknown. Mm-hmm. And so if, okay, it gets viewed from an embed, again, a thousand times in an hour, all of a sudden, is that any better? I don't know. Um, it, it would depend yeah. on the goal, I would say, for it. Because sure, yeah. YouTube's smart enough to know that this was viewed as an embed elsewhere. Right. You know? And so when that happens, um, let's just talk algorithm first, and then you as the channel maker, Amy, uh, with this. So when that happens, they see a 1,000 views from embedded in this blog post. To me, that's got to be great. 1,000 views. Yeah. It's almost like it doesn't even factor into the rest of the algorithm. Yeah, That's maybe how so, because it's not it. viewed on YouTube. So it's just like, yeah, they hey, these views count, but we know we don't know who these people are. Uh-huh. And if it's a blog that gets followed, like YouTube knows that when a new blog post gets published that it might get a sudden kind of influx. Mm-hmm. So maybe they don't care. Maybe algorithmically that is better. Well, yeah, and, and, and there's no, there wouldn't be any of the negative algorithm signs either. Like right. they're on the watch page. They don't click on a single other video yep. versus just embedded. Right. Yeah. Um, so I would think it would be treated differently. It would be absolutely worth a test. It's a hypothesis yes. worth testing. <laughs> it's not, it's, it, it's not going to be worse. We'll put it that way. Yeah. I really, really doubt it would be worse. Yeah. Um, so an option for Amy here listening here is, if there were ways to potentially segment your email list, um, if there are, if there was a way, I'm just trying to think how I would do this, but if there was a way to get to know the people who are the few that are into YouTube and they're more likely to watch more video and then maybe segment them and have the call to action be click here to watch on YouTube itself, then right. you're still sending it there, but then at least they can start to get a profile if they watch your video and then another video, another video. Right. If that behavior, if they be, 
if they manifest that behavior, then I think that would be fine. Uh, and then segment the other ones into putting it in a blog post, uh, right. something like that. And that brings me back to the goal here. Like, is the goal to build the YouTube channel itself or is it to get views on the video? Because if it's to build the YouTube channel itself, in most cases, I would not rely heavily on a newsletter to do that. Yeah. Most cases, I see it happening the other way. Uh, you can build a newsletter from a YouTube channel, but I would almost treat it as an entirely separate strategy. You're building your YouTube channel on YouTube, and then you have your newsletter people. They're, they're separate and, yeah. and cross-pollinating, trying to get the newsletter to build the YouTube channel. I just don't see that working in most cases. I would agree with that totally. Um, a newsletter is fantastic for, you know, selling an info product, selling a course. It's a great, it's really great to have because then you, you own your customer list, right? Mm -hmm. It's not, it's not just on YouTube's platform. Um, and so you have at least this group of people who, if for some reason you had to leave the YouTube platform, you could say, Hey everybody, here's where you can go see my videos now. You know, um, they're, you know, maybe they're hosted on Vimeo or something, or I, I embed them all on my website. Now you can see my whole vlog. Um, you, you, you have options. Yeah. Um, so I like an email list. I like a newsletter, um, using it to drive traffic to the YouTube channel. Uh, I think one of the difficulties is it's like, okay, I'm putting together an email list cause I'm hoping to sell a product someday. But in the meantime, what do I send them? You know, it's like, oh, I put out a new video. Here's some cool behind the scenes info and you should go watch it now. Um, that seems like a great option, but it, again, and I think most people aren't going to have this exact issue. Yeah. Um, you have an audience of people in particular, Amy, that, uh, you know, if they don't exhibit normal YouTube behavior, then <laughs> it's particularly troublesome. Yeah, it might be difficult to try to do that. I would also think that it might matter how much value you think you're bringing to your audience by including that video. Yes, maybe yeah. not as a strategy to build the channel, but could it be worth it if you think, I really want my loyal audience to see this specific video. It's important for them to see it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and actually, I, I love that because that brings to the point, if that is the value add of them watching that specific video, then put it on the blog, embed it, you know? Yeah. Uh, and then it's kind of problem solved that way because it's, it's, it's like a different channel, you know? It's, it's yeah. a different thing, <laughs> a different strategy there. Yeah, you know, at first I was like, I don't, I don't know that'll make a difference, but I, I, I think you're right. I think watching an embed because, you know, YouTube can tell the difference. Mm -hmm. um, and they don't expect people watching an embedded video to click through to a bunch of other videos. I would really doubt it. I think that click through rate is probably really low. Even if after watching a video, you know, sometimes an embed, yeah. you can set the option to show other suggested videos at the end. Right, I, right. I would highly doubt that that would ever. It's not very effective. Factor. No. Yeah. And it's funny because it wasn't until relatively recently that they were even including um, like TV app uh, analytics in your metrics. And so it's like, they're always factoring in things. But to me, I see like if TV app wasn't shown in your metrics, like that's got to be even higher view rate than just an embed. So anyway, th just that to add and say, yeah. yeah, I think it's, I think it's what we're saying. Yeah. Cool. Anything else on that one? That no, question? I, yeah. I think it's worth, I think it's worth um, testing out some of these hypotheses. Great. So next thread is from Project 24 member Bo Raven. 
um, who is also Content Warrior Knight, by the way. <laughs> Congratulations there. And the thread's called YouTube Video Collaboration. I selected this one because they had a PS at the end that said, I love how upbeat and enthusiastic you are in all your podcasts, so thank you. So I, that's all I wanted to include yeah. in this. <laughs> no, but they had a list of questions about video collaborations because they're talking about episode um, two of this podcast where we talk about different formats of collaborations. Um, and so one of the things they're saying is you mentioned about including video clips from other person's YouTube video you want to collaborate with for which in a couple, they have a few questions. So I wanted to go through these questions and answer them. Um, First one is, how does one stand with copyright issues by copyright, you know, copying or including another person's video clip in your video? So, copyright, uh, this, this can be covered a thousand different ways, right? First of all, I am not your lawyer. <laughs> I am not a, prof a professional in terms of copyright law, etc. that do not take this as legal advice. <laughs> but in most cases, um, you using... Under fair use, if you use a segment of another pieces, person's piece of art, their, their video, and you don't take what they refer to as the heart of it, so they, like, meaning if you take a segment from a video and people feel like, oh, I don't have to watch the other video now, like you took the entire thing or the right. climax of their, their conclusion, et cetera, yeah. and you took that, um, if you don't take that heart out, um, then you're just fine. And also, as much as you can include your own original thought around that piece of content, the safer you are in the realms of fair right. use. Adding that commentary or adding additional creative work. So like, you know, visually, you know, there's a graphic, right, that you want to use as a piece of, you know, it's something that you want to use in a video or whatever. It's like if you substantially change what they, that, you use that as a starting point, but add substantial creativity to it, at some point, their claim to the copyright goes away. Mm -hmm. um, it, that's just, there's, there's a law called, it's known as fair use, basically. That's yeah. basically like <laughs> when somebody owns a copyright for something, they can't just like make, make it so nobody else can use any piece of that ever again. It's like if somebody copyrighted the words happy birthday, you know, mm -hmm. it's like nobody else can ever say happy birthday <laughs> without paying me royalties. It's like, okay, hold up. Like... <laughs> <laughs> we can do this, right? Um, and and the same is true for video. If you think about it, like there are a lot of channels that do reaction videos or channels that will like, you know, take a television series or movie and kind of talk through some aspect of it. There's comic book movies and stuff or, uh, and um, sci-fi fantasy stuff, the Star Wars TV shows. There's a ton of, tons yeah, of these ton where of it's them. like exploring a side theme, right? It's like, let's explore how, you know, Anakin became Darth Vader. And it's like showing little clips from different pieces all along the way um, from the movies, plus the Clone Wars series and all this. And then it's like, you can see here how this happened. And then, and then like, they're talking through this whole evolution and it's using little pieces from Tiny all along the pieces. way. But it's showing somebody else's creative work. Mm -hmm. They're adding commentary, but they're not taking the heart and soul of, you don't. it's not like you'd no longer have to watch Star Wars. They gave it all away. Yeah. You know? Yeah, and, and so in, in addition, exactly that. So I, I would pay attention to, if you are considering a certain type of clip, find other channels when you're drafting. Find other channels that do similar. Pay attention yeah. to how they do it. If they have proof of concept, if they've been doing it for a while and they're yeah. a larger channel, I wouldn't do this for smaller channels because they don't know yet. <laughs> Even so, if it's in a totally different industry than you. Yeah. Just find other people who make that type of content. Mm -hmm. yeah, 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 that type, exactly. And watch how they do it because in most right. cases, they'll show a tiny little clip 
they'll pause it, they'll talk about it, they'll replay the same clip, they'll, they'll do a lot of stuff, so it's really varied from the original piece of content. Mm-hmm. Um, I have seen reaction channels. Ooh, I'd be careful with reaction channels because um, just, just a word of fair warning, they obviously work for a lot of people, but I have seen reaction channels where they will literally, the video is, Hey everybody, so today I'm going to react to this piece of content and then they play the content the from start to finish. Yeah. And and then maybe they'll pause it a few times to comment, but that in my mind I would start to get worried because you're playing the entire piece of content. Right. It, and th- at that point, why do I need to watch the other piece of content? Right. You know, the original piece. So I would start to get worried there. Um so be really careful with that. Uh the the same is true with very short pieces of content because like TikTok, etc. um they're often very short. And so you have to play the whole clip. So just, just be right. careful with that. Right. The other thing is music. Um, music is yeah. almost always very easily flagged. And rarely is there an occasion where you can play a clip of song, even just 30 seconds or less, and not have it be claimed. I've rarely seen that be the case. So music is one where I would rarely ever um, um, play that without some sort of, if you become well-known enough, then artists will be okay if you give them, you know, they give you written permission, et cetera. But in most cases, you're going to have issues with music. Yeah, well, and part of that makes sense because um, usually when we play music in a video, it's not because that's a piece of art that we're now adding to and commenting on. It's usually background music, right? Mm -hmm. And so you are taking somebody else's thing. You're not creatively adding to that. Mm-hmm. You're, you're doing something else entirely and using you're profiting their, off of their work at that right. point because it's background music. And so, um, but this shouldn't be a problem. I haven't really used YouTube's library, but they have a free library yep. of royalty free music. You can use literally for free. And there are a dozens of other services where if you know, you don't like YouTube's library, you think this is overused because it's free. Well, that's fine. Pay a few bucks and, now you have a huge library of music you can go access mm-hmm. that, you know, I mean, we get new songs added to the library we use like every single day. Oh, every, every all, so, all the time. Yeah, it's awesome. So, yeah, I, I mean, good points there. Back to this point of, of with um, collaborations, I would ask myself the question, if I'm going to make a piece of content around somebody else's content, what's the minimum I can use from their original work in my work? That, that's what I would say and still get the same idea across. That's what I'd be aiming for. So that's yeah. the first question. Second one, what software are you using to record the clip? I use a PC, not a Mac. So on a Mac, there's built-in you know, screen recording. On a PC, I think there is also. I haven't, I haven't actually tested So on a PC, I think... Is it built-in? Um, they have it built-in now, but it's like through whatever the, like the Xbox... Oh. I oh, found yeah. it once, but it is there. It's the Xbox Live. Yeah, but like, but on the PC and it's just like part of Windows now. So it's, it's really simple to get. I mean, uh, you can Google best free screen recording software. If you want to, um, what I use in a variety of videos, if I'm playing audio is I'll use uh, something called ScreenFlow. I think Uh it is a paid software. And that Um, one is that, I don't know if that's PC or not, because I know it's a Mac. I know it's available for Mac, but I don't know if ScreenFlow, I think Camtasia is essentially the PC equivalent. Okay. I've used Camtasia before back when I used PC for yeah, for pretty much everything. Yeah, and, and most of these softwares, like the built-in ones, like the Mac one, won't have built-in um, computer recording because yes. they don't want to get in trouble. I found the hack. <laughs> oh, really? <There's> a <laughs> you hack. found a way? I did. There's, I, had to, I Googled it, but I, I was recording. Um, my nephew graduated from high school, 
and we were watching the, uh, you know, they were streaming it, right? Mm-hmm. And his mom was like, can someone record the live stream so that I have a video of it? Like better than the video I could shoot from there yeah. on my cell phone. I was like, sure. And then I was like, oh shoot, I don't have screen flow on my, on my laptop. What am I gonna do? And so I Googled it and I found a little thing, it's free. Um, I'll have to, I'll have to put it in the notes for this one. Um, you download it and install it. And then there's a couple steps you have to do, but essentially what it does is it takes your, you, it takes the, uh, audio coming through your computer and it allows you to split it so that it's going both to your speakers as well as to this, whatever software tool it is. And and it's kind of just like a little add on. It's like not even a whole piece of software. And then you also set that piece of software as a microphone on your computer. <laughs> so then um, when you go to run the screen recording on a Mac, the screen recording only allows you to use microphones for the audio. So you can speak into your computer, uh-huh. um, but you just set the microphone to be that. And what it'll do is it'll sort of, it'll route the computer audio uh-huh. back to, back through as a microphone. And it works <laughs> beautifully it's it's a little bit of a pain to set up but once you fit once you know how to do it it's like it's jerry super easy to do it and but yeah there were like tutorials about how to do it online it's pretty awesome so there you go so I'll, do, do I'll a few a google searches there. or we yeah. can look it in the in the notes i'll, I'll put a link in there it'll be, it'll there, be there we go that's good <laughs> but that's that's for mac for pc yeah i think you could try the xbox one um but camtasia works great yeah um, yeah there there are a lot a lot of softwares for doing this. But yeah, essentially you're just doing a screen recording. OBS sure does it be. also. I mean, that's a good a, point. OBS it's is totally free. free. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of, so yeah, I would, I would just use OBS. And if you, if you yeah. haven't already paid for Camtasia, yeah, just use OBS. Yeah. That's a good point. Okay. Next question. Do you have any examples of these types of collaboration you've seen and you can share? Um, so what, back, hearkening back to what we said earlier, I'd find channels that are doing similar even if the topic's not the same, the format. I don't have any yeah. examples off the top of my head, but but yeah, I would I would start taking some time when you're drafting, find that format that you're looking for and see how they do it. Next question, when you select the type of video it is before publishing, do you have to change the type of video for the purpose of YouTube as is something that has aired before? No, you don't need to do that. No, because this video that you're making hasn't aired before. Yes, no, no. Do you have to place any copyright text in the description perhaps? no. Um, uh, it's, it's in that, I believe it was in that podcast episode. I talk about if you're going to make a collaboration where you're talking about someone else's piece of content, in most cases, you want to make it something that they'd be happy to see. Yeah. And so oftentimes best practice is to mention in the description where it came from and a link to the original video. Um, that's just, it's nice. It's nice Uh to do that. Um, so I would do that, but as far as copyright text in most cases, yeah, it's not like, unless it's, uh, yeah, no. It's not like, um, you know, when you wrote a, a research paper and you had to cite your sources and everybody that you quoted, it's not quite the same here. Here, what, we're, what it's saying is it's like, here's, there's a copyrighted piece of art, um, someone's video, mm-hmm. and you have, you have built upon that. And under fair use, you can just do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and the new piece of work is yours. You own the new piece of work. Yeah, there's not any requirement that said... I would totally link to the video. Yeah. 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 It's part of being a, a good citizen of YouTube. Right. And if they get a lot of views from that link, they might eventually notice where they're coming from and that yeah. could help too. Very true. Very Oftentimes true. Oftentimes their subscribers and stuff will be like, Hey, this other guy mentioned you in their video. What do you think? 
which it is why you want to make a piece of content that they, they'd be happy to see uh-huh. in most cases because it's a great way to get connections where right. you're saying, um, and if you can create that kind of collaboration where they are getting views from your audience, that's great. I mean, yeah. that's they'd be grateful for that, mm-hmm. especially if you have uh, similar audiences. The last question is, what about asking for permission to include clips? Your podcast seems to assume permission isn't necessary. It's not. It's nope. not necessary. Um, because of fair use, you're creating an original piece of content. You're talking about them. You're saying where you got it from. It's fine. Yeah, totally. No worries there. Yep. All right. <clears throat> I wanted to address another question here and do a bit of myth crushing. <laughs> uh, so there's another thread here. Um, it's from uh, Project 24 member M. Nader. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. And it's, what is a good click-through rate? What is everybody getting? There's a few back and forth here about, I, I'm, I'm here getting a 3.8% click-through rate. Um, and I'm starting to realize the norm is between 3% and 10%. Okay, the reason I wanted to bring this up is this, this question comes up fairly often. I just kind of wanted to put a, a definitive pin in this question here because click-through rate is perhaps one of the most misunderstood metrics on YouTube. It's one of the one, and, and I say that because it's often one of the most focused on that doesn't necessarily affect your overall success as a channel. <gasps> Nate said it. <laughs> click-through rate doesn't matter. Makes the headlines tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, um, but let me tell you a little secret. My most viewed videos probably have my lowest click-through rates. <laughs> and that's the same on, on my channel also. <laughs> if, if that's mind-bending for you, just stick with us for a second here. You'll understand why. The one that currently gets thousands of views every single day, and I published it months and months and months ago, has like a 2% click-through rate, yeah. which by all accounts is bad. If you were only looking at click-through rate. Okay, here's why. Here's why this is an issue. Because literally, the more your video spreads, the lower your click-through rate will get. The more it spreads, the lower the click-through rate. Because behind the scenes, what's going on is when we look at our analytics, we're seeing just the whole click-through rate. We're just seeing a single number that that YouTube's giving us. And if we dive in, we can get click-through rate through different traffic sources. But what we're not getting is different traffic audiences, in many cases, umbrellas. And so what the algorithm is seeing is, okay, it did well with this audience. 15% click-through rate with your diehard fans, right? right? 15%, great. Now they try it with the next group, the next group of audience. And great, 10%, awesome, awesome. They try it with the next group, you know, 6%, okay. They try it with another, a subgroup, 1%. Oh, we're not gonna, maybe we'll pull back on that one. Let's try another subgroup, a different group. Oh, this one does 8%, that's great. I'm gonna show it to them. And so what they're seeing is a lot of different click-through rates for different audience umbrellas or segments. And because of that, the more your video spreads, the more audiences it's being shown to, in general, your average click-through rate will go down because they're doing their work and they're testing your video with more audiences. Yep. So it's because of that that I rarely ever um, look in depth at click-through rate. It's good to know and it's good to do things like if you can do tweaks in your title and thumbnail, if, if before it was 4% and you tweak something and it goes to 5%, that was a good change in general. Uh, I, it's good to do that kind of stuff. So I'm not saying completely ignore it. It's that why I come back to views being the ultimate metric over and over again is because it's the baseline conglomerate of all of the algorithm doing its work for you. All of the other things factor into views. And if your video is doing well in click-through rate and watch time, then it will contribute to more views, which is why I often look at uh, views as the kind of the, the end all on the <laughs> metrics. There. And this is a, it can be hard to wrap your head around because 
I had this question come up not long ago and I saw the same thing happen in a video because um, I was paying attention to this specifically. And it was one where YouTube's like, hey, your click-through rate is above average. It gives you this little like a, a green arrow pointing up, right? That's right. And then it's like, hey, your watch time is above average. Hey, your view count, it's normal or below average. And I'm like, if my click-through rate is really good, my watch time is really good, YouTube, why aren't you promoting this wider? And, and what I found is like the topic of the video maybe only applied to a smaller subset of my own audience. Yep. It wasn't quite as broad appeal. And so based on the content itself, YouTube showed it to even less of my audience. And so the click-through rate looks really good because YouTube showed it only to the people who are interested in that one thing. Mm -hmm. Whereas if I make a video that has broader appeal across my whole audience, the click-through rate might be a little bit lower because they showed it to everybody in my audience and maybe even pretty quickly spread it beyond my normal audience. And so I have a lower click-through rate, but YouTube keeps showing it over and over and over and over again because the click-through rate is lower than my channel average, but it's higher than other videos YouTube has tested spreading wider. Mm -hmm. And so we can't just look at click-through rate straight up. Yeah. You just can't. And I'm so glad you brought that up because that is one of the most oft-repeated. Um, the click-through rate for this video is 20%. Why isn't it spreading? It's for that very reason. Yeah. And we forget that YouTube has all the metadata about your video. They have a pretty good idea <laughs> about what it's about. Yep. And because of that, they can match it with audiences. Uh, they're going off of your title and thumbnail. That they do that is holds a lot of weight. I'm not saying they completely disregard that, but right. um, oftentimes a really high click-through rate on a video, exactly what Ricky was saying, that's just not doing as well, is because it's been determined it's for a smaller audience. Yep. And so for a smaller audience that's more niche and targeted, you're always going to get higher click-through rate. Totally. That's just how it works. But that does not mean, because we look at, I'm just coming back to, we look at click-through rate as this vanilla number. Yeah. Like, well, they're showing it to a bunch of people and a bunch of people are clicking it. Therefore, why isn't it spreading? If that were true, then it would spread. But that's not true because it's, there's all the subsets of, they're testing different audiences with it and stuff. It's also interesting, like, for just a little bit of proof that YouTube is segmenting your audience even differently than you might think they are, if you look at like your, um, your numbers, like if you just look at your dashboard, right? On the most recent video, it's telling you, um, you know, it's whatever, six out of 10, eight out of 10, whatever. And then you look at click-through rate and you click on it. And um, let's see, I go to the view more and it's got the click-through rate. And then on, I guess it's on the, on the desktop, you can see even more. It'll give you some info and it'll say specifically like, um, your regular viewers are watching this video less often than usual. Mm -hmm. It's not just all of YouTube is watching it less than usual or more than usual. It's like your regular viewers. And notice it doesn't just say your subscribers. Nope. It says your regular <laughs> viewers are choosing to watch this video less often than usual. YouTube knows who subscribed to your channel, but they also know who usually watches your channel. And so if they show it to that, that group in, just in their feed and they choose it a little less often. They give me a number sometimes for that group mm -hmm. that's different. Um, and they'll even say, there'll be a little disclaimer there that says, notice this number doesn't match your full on click-through rate because um, we're not measuring everybody in this case. We're showing you just your regular viewers. Yeah, They are segmenting your audience a lot more than you think. And more. they don't tell you who all your segments are. No. 
that's, they, that's not in the analytics. No, they're not, they're <laughs> not gonna they're gonna not gonna do that. <laughs> nope. That's another argument for why you don't want people to subscribe. Like Nate always totally. says, if they if they don't want to be subscribed because YouTube doesn't pay attention to or at least they're not only paying attention to your total subscribers, they're looking at your regular viewers. Yep. Yes. One hundred percent. And and the data backs that up. They YouTube themselves have said when they did it off of just subscribers, views went down significantly because they they were like, well, okay, yeah. <laughs> it's not all, so much about subscribers; it's about behavior. Um, so exactly that. Well, that is it for today, folks. Uh, that's <laughs> all, folks. Any last uh, words of wisdom uh, from Julia or or Ricky here? Not from me. No. Good. No. Oh, okay. Shared all my wisdom for today. All of the wisdom. The wisdom well is gone. It's, it's dry, right? Well, thank you everybody for listening or hoping that's being uh, helpful for you. Keep the questions coming in the community and I love to see the interaction, especially when someone asks a question and say, what's your experience with this? And we get like that mini mastermind effect going on where we're interacting uh, the threads where we're like, oh, this is what worked for me. This didn't work. This is These were my numbers. This is my take on it. I love seeing threads right back. So keep that up and keep attending the Masterminds here at Project 24. And we'll see you next time. Project 24 is a product of Income School LLC. Results mentioned are not typical. The trademark Project 24 refers to the goal of some people to create a successful business in 24 months, but it's not a promise or guarantee of that success. Many online businesses fail because like any business, it requires hard work, skill, and dedication. Before making business decisions, consult financial and legal professionals licensed in your jurisdiction. So in short, the only person who can make your business successful is you. We are simply here to provide information to help you along the way.